So are there any Survivor fans out there? And by out there, I mean, you know, those of you who are watching and anybody who's here in the sanctuary this morning. Does anybody watch Survivor, reality Survivor? So I hadn't watched it in years, and when my kids were home over Christmas break, I discovered that there are several seasons that are on Netflix. And so Rick and I kind of started watching it. And as we were watching a season over the course of this past week, and I was studying and reading this chapter of Daniel, I was starting to see kind of some um, connections between this TV show and this story that's in Daniel today, because in Survivor, if you watch it, you know that there are amazing stories of people who are completely blindsided, completely surprised by the way a turn of events might happen during the course of the time. And when we're observers and we're watching from the TV, sometimes we, we can see it ourselves, and sometimes we're completely oblivious to the things that are going on. Other times we're like yelling at the TV, you know, how could you possibly not see this coming? Um, it's so obvious. How could you not know that you were going to be voted off at tonight's tribal council? And I was wondering, you know, do we ever feel like that ourselves? Has that ever happened to you when you feel perhaps that you know, life has kind of blindsided you and you didn't see it coming. And so I was thinking, you know, what is it that keeps us from seeing those things that are sometimes obvious? What keeps us from seeing those things that are right in front of us? And what keeps us from learning? You know, it happens more than once in our lives. So what keeps us from learning um, from these circumstances and these events that happens? So as we read um, Daniel today, I want to get some direction. I want us to get some direction from the scripture. And so we've been looking at the book of Daniel for the past several weeks, and today we're in Daniel chapter 5. So if you at home have your Bible next to you or you have your Bible app open, go ahead and open up to Daniel chapter 5. We'll be reading some verses from there a little bit later on. And if you have not been or were not familiar with the story that we're going to read in this chapter today, you most likely know the saying that comes from this chapter, and that is, the writing is on the wall. And we kind of have an idea of what that means. You know, I knew that couple was going to break up, the writing was on the wall. Or, it's no surprise that that kid got in trouble. You know, the writing has been on the wall since he was young. We all know that company was going downhill or in terms of survivor, um, how could you possibly not know that you were getting voted out at tonight's tribal council? The writing has been on the wall. And so when you say that, when you have that expression that you use, it means that there are some clear signs that a situation is going to become very difficult or very unpleasant. And so as we're talking this morning and as we're, we're talking through this message, this is what I want you to keep in mind in the back of your head as we're talking, that although the truth can sometimes be really hard to hear, we have to learn to humble ourselves. We need to learn to listen and to take action on the messages that are given to us because one of these days we're going to have to answer to God. There is going to become a time of reckoning. And so let's just remember a few things about the world that Daniel is in. We know that Daniel is alive, and we're reading this book during a time that the Israelites, or many of the Israelites, are in exile in Babylon, and Daniel is there with them. And as we've read through these first four chapters, or have you, as you have read further in your time this month, 
we have this picture of Daniel as being um, faithful, as being godly, as being unwilling to succumb to any kind of idolatry. And we've also seen that Daniel has a gift from God, and he's able to interpret dreams. And so King Nebuchadnezzar has called on him in the past to interpret some dreams. And we've seen King Nebuchadnezzar uh, being brought low by God, being driven from his kingdom, being driven mad for a period of time, until he learns, and he learns to lift his eyes up to God, and to realize that everything he has, everything even his very life, comes from the hands of the one true God. And so today, as we fast forward and kind of look at chapter 5, we're at a time in history when King Nebuchadnezzar is dead. Several kings have kind of come and gone in the interim, and we're introduced to King Belshazzar, who is a descendant of King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is called his father. It's probably more likely that it was his grandfather. And he is co-regent of the kingdom of Babylon. And the introduction, which is lovely, the first time we hear about King Belshazzar is in verse 1 of the chapter, and it goes like this. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousands, or in front of the thousand. So basically, this king is throwing this huge party. And it wasn't a small thing, and actually a thousand people was nothing. There was um, there's parties to be heard of kings having dinner with 15,000 people. So 1,000 was on the small side for the time. But there would have been food and drink and just, it would have been a great big huge party. And what we don't hear in this section of the chapter is what's going on outside the walls. And we know from reading further on and from other historical uh, documents that the city is actually under siege. In the middle of this great party that they're throwing, the Medes and the Persians are around the city, around the city walls. And here they are having this huge amount of revelry and eating and drinking. And so what is it that makes King Belshazzar so confident? How is he and why is he so arrogant as to think he can have this huge party with these armies right outside and not be worried about it? So we have to know a little bit of something about the city of Babylon. Now, the city of Babylon was a fortified city that was unparalleled anywhere else in the world. And there's many different descriptions, and you know, some are probably exaggerated, but some of the things we hear about the city of Babylon is that it was surrounded by walls that were 350 feet high. And on top of those walls were watchtowers that were 100 feet, again, above that so that people could be up there watching everything going on around. There were a hundred gates that were all guarded. The width of the walls or the depth of the walls was such that at least two chariots, along with their horses, some accounts say even more than that, could pass each other side by side with plenty of room to spare. So think about how big and how strong and how fortified these walls were. And in addition to that, we also hear that it's possible they had enough food stores in that city to last 20 years. And they had a uh, continuous supply of fresh water because the Euphrates River ran right through the center of the city. And so by all accounts, this city was completely impregnable. 
So Belshazzar was in here throwing a party, drinking, having this great time, because he was trusting in these walls that man built. So he was trusting in all these fortifications that were built by the hands of man, and he figured he was safe in there. He figured he was all set. He had nothing to worry about. And isn't that sometimes like us? Don't we sometimes do that? We sometimes think that we can build around ourselves walls of protection. You know, we can build ourselves a decent job, um, savings in the bank. We can work on our health, our physical fitness, and feel like we've got ourselves safe from any harm. We can work on our education, all these kinds of different things. We can work on having a great reputation, all these things that we slowly stack up around us, feeling like we have all the cards stacked on our side of the table, and that we're safe and we're protected by this world that we've built for ourselves. But anyone who's gone through a very difficult time, anyone who's had some kind of a, a tragedy go on in their lives, we know that those cards can just come tumbling down and it doesn't take a whole lot sometimes. I was thinking, does anybody still remember video stores, like video rental stores? Anybody remember going to a video store to rent a video? I remember when video you know, VCR tapes first really came out. I was probably midway through high school growing up in uh, Central Mass in Lemonster. And I still remember that first video rental store. And it was on the corner of a street, and it was on my way between home and my high school. And it actually charged a membership fee. And I remember it was, it was big. It wasn't like a couple dollars. It was a big deal to belong to one of these rental, you know, VCR rental stores. And then chains started taking over these little mom and pop shops, you know, things like Blockbuster. So I was reading a little bit about Blockbuster. And we know that there came a time where the market started to shift. And people didn't go into video stores as much. There was uh, by mail videos, Netflix, that you could get, you know, DVDs by mail. And then there kind of came a time where live streaming became a bigger thing. But what happened with Blockbuster is that the executives at Blockbuster didn't see the writing on the wall. They didn't want to see the changes. They didn't want to change along with them. And so as streaming grew and as rentals kind of went down, Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy in 2010. And so this, this business that built up that didn't really want to look at what was going on around them, ended up falling, and it didn't take a whole lot. So as we go back to the scripture and we look at King Belshazzar, we see that even though the Medes and the Persians are right outside the walls of the city, there was this huge banquet that was being held in the Babylonian court. And the king and his guests are drinking from golden cups. And so these are cups that had been stolen when the Israelites were first taken into captivity into Babylon. They had stolen sacred gold cups and vessels from the temple in Jerusalem. And King Belshazzar called for them. And he basically thumbed his nose at God. And they were drinking from these cups and praising and worshiping the pagan dog, the pagan gods. And so what happened as they were doing this? Immediately, a hand a disembodied hand came and was writing up on the wall. And no surprise, King Belshazzar was terrified. You just imagine what that must have looked like. This hand writing something on the wall right next to the king. And so he was 
afraid and frightened and scared and didn't know what was going on. And so he called in his astrologers and his enchanters, but none of them could tell him. He was promising them riches and purple robes and gold chains to whoever could tell him what this writing on the wall meant, but none of them can do it. So the queen, the queen mother, came in and said, remember Daniel. Daniel is this person who lives in this city, who is part of your courts, who has been faithful, who has a heart for God, and who has in the past interpreted dreams and has done this for your father or grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel was brought in. Daniel was brought in to interpret the words that were written on this wall. And so here's where I'd like to read the scripture. So I'm going to read Daniel 5, verses 17 through 28, if you're following along. And I am reading out of the um, English Standard Version this morning. So the words starting in 17 say this. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kinship and greatness and glory and majesty. So Daniel's having this conversation directly to Belshazzar and you know, giving him a little sermonizing before he gives him the message. And he says, because of the greatness that he gave him, Belshazzar is telling, or uh, Daniel's telling Belshazzar, your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar understood this. Because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed, and whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up, and whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, so when Nebuchadnezzar started to become proud and was not being humbled, he was brought down from his kingly throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys." He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. And the vessels of this house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose hands is your very breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Meany, meany, tekel, and parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Meany, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Parson, your kingdom is divided and will be given to the Medes and the Persians. So this was Daniel's words to Belshazzar. He really went all out, right? Kind of a, uh, he didn't hold anything back. Kind of a, an amazing message that he gave to this king with absolutely no fear for himself. And this is something that we already know about Daniel because we've seen it before. Daniel is not afraid to stand up to the hard conversations. And that's the first thing that I want us to take from this message today, from this scripture, that we need to stand up to hard conversations. 
we learn from Daniel that he was willing to say the hard things, that he was obedient to God, and he was willing to give out to this king the words that God had given him. And he wasn't worried for himself. He wasn't willing to take any gifts. He just wanted to relay the message that God had given him for King Belshazzar. And none of the message that he had given up to this point, and including this point, were likely to be taken well. So there was honestly a fear. He could have feared for his life in this. But he was willing, no matter what, to speak the truth of God to the king. So let's take a look at social media for a second. We know that social media, the uh, market changes really quickly. And anybody who is involved in social media marketing or who uses social media for advertising in any way, we know that they have to kind of keep up on the trends because things shift pretty quickly. So my son Ryan is a videographer and photographer living out in Los Angeles, and that's what he does. He works with, um, in addition to social media influencers, some other things as well. But about a year ago or a little over a year ago, he went out to Los Angeles and he joined a group. He got hired by a group led by a basically a real estate investor, and this guy didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about the world of social media or social media influencers. Didn't know a whole lot about that. But he had the money, and he built these, basically these influencer houses, and they grew really quickly, and they became big in the social media world. But then things started shifting a little bit. Um, several people who were in the middle of this, in the midst of this world, tried to give this person some advice, tried to let him know what was happening, tried to let him know what they were seeing on the ground about things changing. But this guy didn't want to listen. He didn't want to take the advice. He really felt like he knew what he was doing and that his way was best and that what he had built up with his hands and with the hands of the people working with him was going to withstand anything. But what ended up happening is some of his businesses, some of these houses kind of fell apart. Uh, thankfully, some of them were rebuilt. And even more thankfully, you know, Ryan and some of his co-workers saw what was happening. And so they reacted, and they diversified, and they turned into um, working in freelance instead. So praise God, they're all doing OK. But this person who had built up this social media world didn't want to listen to the advice of people around him who knew what they were talking about. And because of that, things kind of fell apart. And so when we look at this, we see that there are really two sides to hard conversations, right? Are you willing to be the person who will give those hard conversations? Are you willing to be the person who is brave enough and strong enough and obedient to God enough to have these conversations with people when God places it on your heart and to do it in a loving manner like Daniel did. And the other half of that, uh, the other side of that coin is that, do you have someone in your life? Is there somebody in your life who you trust, who you are close to, who has your best interest in mind, who is willing to tell you the truth of God? And even beyond that, are you willing to hear it? And are you willing to listen to it? That's really the tough part, right? We can hear the words, but listening to it and taking it in and doing something about it requires us to be humble 
requires us to have humility. And so that's the other thing that we learn here is that we need to humble ourselves in order to react appropriately to God's messages. No matter where they happen to come from, who they happen to come from, we need to be humble. Now, my daughter, Kaylin, and her husband, Johnny, are part of a church in Georgia. Johnny is the uh, worship and youth pastor there. And there was a time, you know, a few months ago before Christmas where Kaylin was part of a Bible study group and she was struggling with it. And she was talking a little bit about it and she was um, talking about the struggles that she had. And there was an elder in the church who was able to come to her and speak the truth of God to her in a direct way, in a way that was kind and loving and had Kaylin's best interest in mind. But it was hard for Kaylin to hear. It's hard when we're being... Um, where we're facing these hard, these hard discussions, when people, is, when people are pointing out something to us that we really don't want to hear. But she was able to have some humility, and it was hard to hear, but she took that in and she was so grateful for this person who was willing to speak truth to her. And she was able to change her ways, and she was able to look at things in a different way. And so Belshazzar had this history this past history of his relatives, and he knew what he should do, but he didn't want to do it. He refused to do it. He knew the right thing to do, but he didn't want to. Um, his father, grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, had learned that all that he had was because of the greatness God had given him. But Belshazzar did not honor the God in whose hand was his very breath. I love that line. In whose hand was his very breath. Belshazzar refused to honor the God. And so instead, he relied on the walls of this city to protect him, this life that he felt he had built up around him and felt that he was just all insulated from anything that could happen. And so, my friends, do not put your faith in walls that you build. Do not put your faith in fortifications built by human hands, built by your own efforts, because they won't stand up. They won't stand up to the troubles that come along in our lives. And we know that troubles come along whether we like it or not. That's a truth in the Bible whether we like to hear it or not, right? You're going to have hard times. So the question today is, are you willing to hear the words of others? Are you willing to look at history? Are you willing to humble yourself and to learn and to accept and to understand that all you have is from God? It's not what we have built up for ourselves. It is what God has given us. Even our very breath, even our very life, it comes from God. And when we hear these messages, when you hear these, when I hear these messages, am I willing to change? Because the third thing that we hear from the scripture today is that there will come a day of reckoning. Philippians 2.10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a day of reckoning for all people. And the day of reckoning has come from Belshazzar, and he needed to face his actions and his inactions, what he did and what he didn't do. He had been given revelation through his father. He was given revelation through Daniel. He was given opportunity to bow to the sovereignty of God and to worship God and to give God the glory. But instead, 
he chose to defy the Lord. He even mocked God by drinking from stolen temple cups. So more than just denying, more than just ignoring, he even mocked God. Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Are we sowing to the flesh or are we sowing to the Spirit? And here are the words of God's judgment that came to Belshazzar on that day. Meany, God has numbered your days, and today is the day, Belshazzar. Tekel, God has looked at your life, he's looked at where your allegiances have been, and he has found you wanting. He has found that your life has been lacking for love and praise and worship of the one true God. And Parson, your kingdom is now going to be given to the Medes and to the Persians. And that's exactly what happened. That night, these armies that were outside actually diverted the water in the Euphrates River and were able to wade right in, right under the walls, and go in and siege the city, and Belshazzar was killed. And that was the end. That was the end of this kingdom that he had built up, that many had built up. It wasn't just him. It had built up over years, but that he felt so protected in, this kingdom that he and other men had built that he felt predicted, uh, protected from. And so I just want to take a minute and, you know, be a little vulnerable and make it a little personable, personal. You know, there was a time in my life, some years back, many years back now, I'd like to say, where I wasn't really walking that close to God myself. And you wouldn't really know by looking at me. You know, I looked like I had everything that I wanted and needed, and I had a great house, and I had a wonderful family, and I had you know, everything that I possibly needed. I was even going to church at the time, but I was missing things that were going on around me. There were things that were happening in my life and in my world close to me that I didn't see, or probably quite more accurately, I refused to look at. And so it took an actual literal fire to bring all the cards of my life tumbling down, but I also gave my life to Christ that day. I admitted that all I had was from him. And I walked away from that with my five kids and with a new life in Jesus Christ, and I have never looked back. And so things can get taken so quickly, and things can look great on the outside, but what's going on around you? Are you missing it? Are you refusing to look at it? And so the appearance of these words on the king's wall is a reminder that our lives and our very breath is in the Lord's hands, and all that we have comes from him. He is the judge. He justly weighs matters in his time. Sometimes he speaks clearly into our lives and convicts us of sin, and sometimes he puts other loving Christians in there instead to give us his messages. And so it doesn't pay to ignore the writing on the wall. And so as we go forward this week and as you go out into your days and your, your work and your job and whatever else you are doing, who are you in this story? Think about it. Are you Daniel? Are you faithful to God no matter what happens in your life? Or are you maybe in this moment a little bit more like Belshazzar? Are you confident in what you have built up and thinking that you have done it in your own rights, in your own hands? But let me tell you, there are kinks and there are weak spots in any armor that you build up for yourselves. But the armor of God is impenetrable 
That is the only thing that is going to protect you from the troubles in this life is the, uh, the armor of God. And so he's inviting us. He's inviting you to come to him right now. If you're in a place where perhaps you've wandered away a little bit, give your life back to him. Turn and, and repent and change your ways and go back to him understanding that everything you have comes from him because the pleasures of sin in the end are just not worth it. And God is waiting for you right now. His mercy is available to you right now. His grace is touching you. And his Holy Spirit is speaking to you and to me and to everybody else right in this moment. And one day, each one of us are going to stand before God. We're going to face him on that mighty throne. And the choices you are making today are setting you up for your eternal destiny, not just for today, but for your entire future, because one day God will weigh each of us in his time, our thoughts, our actions, our inactions, and we will be held accountable for that. And so let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with other people. Let's listen to the Lord speaking to us. Let's repent of anything he shows us, and let's follow him in the way of everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, which speaks to us every single day. Help us to recognize your message. Help us to hear the people that you pit in our lives. And if you call upon us, Lord, to be the one to give those difficult messages, to speak your truth and love, help us to have the courage to do it. Just be with us and lead us in your way. In your son's name we pray. Amen.